What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I got my boy, our boy, with us. We got Nate. Nate, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's up? So today, we're going to be going over the Carson Wentz deal and the implications of that. Then we're going to go over, basically round out the running back position. You guys know I've been going over the rookie running back class that's coming in. So we're going to go over some sleepers that Nate has, that I have. We have not discussed our sleepers with each other, so this conversation will be completely organic and natural. And um, Nate, you want to plug anything before we get started with the uh, Carson Wentz stuff? I know sometimes um, uh, I got new listeners, so yeah. So at Nate NFL on Twitter, you now pretty easy to follow. I uh, put out a lot of content during the off season. This is my time to shine. I would say I'm I'm actually probably more scouting than even fantasy football. So I mean, if you're if you're interested in these rookies, you know, make sure you follow me. Um, putting out content at DynastyOwner.com. I'm doing articles for them once a week with prospect profiles. As always, I'm doing the Dynasty Rewind podcast, which is great. We have our Patreon now, which is putting out lots of content. And uh, we got our podcast every Tuesday night now. And I do rankings of Dynasty Nerds. So, you know, find me in all three of those places. So basically, guys, he's a freaking baller. Basically, that's what we're dealing <laughs> with here. So like like he said, he's doing, you know, a lot of scouting. And that's part of the reason I brought him on here for this, because he really just dives into the prospects. So that's why I think you're the perfect guest for this episode. But first, before we get into the running backs, we're going to talk about the Carson Wentz deal that finally happened. It seems like, man, we've been waiting for it forever. And with the offseason, it makes everything feel longer than it is. So Carson Wentz to the Colts. I'm sure everyone's already seen it and heard it for a third and a conditional second. Probably will become a first. Just real quick, is there any way that that doesn't become a first, Nate? So guys that don't know, the condition is, I believe, he has to play 75% of the snaps, right? It's either he makes the they make the playoffs and he plays seventy percent of the snaps, or they miss the playoffs and he plays seventy five percent of the snaps. Which I say um, that's almost a guaranteed first round pick for yeah. me, uh, except for injury. That's the only thing. But I don't know if they have a clause for that or not. Yeah, so I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I don't know about the injury clause either. But yeah, that's basically a guaranteed first. So it's basically a first and a third, which is a similar price to Stafford. I don't know how you feel about it. I actually never got to talk to you about this with the. Uh, the Stafford Goff deal because I kind of looked at it as they were giving up a first in order to unload Goff. Therefore, they really were paying a first and third for Stafford. So I think it's pretty much the same type of deal, which makes sense because while Stafford is more proven, Carson Wentz is younger, and what he did do with Frank Reich earlier was pretty good. So I, th- I think it it wasn't a bad deal for either side, honestly. So here's the real question, right? We got the Eagles and we've got the Colts. We've got fantasy impacts on both sides. Do you think I? I'm not sure where I lie exactly, but I definitely think it's a possibility, and some people are trying to rule it out completely. I don't think that's the, the way to go. Do you think the Eagles could take a quarterback at six? Certainly. I really do think so. This is why I love you, Nate. And, I mean, number six, I mean, most likely the, you know, the, well, the Jags definitely take Trevor Lawrence. That's like for sure all but confirmed. Um, at number two, the Jets, we've heard possibilities of them keeping Darnold, or maybe they go after... Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I don't know. But well, after the Jets, it gets a little iffy, you know. Uh, 
the Eagles might be sitting there at six, and one of Zach Wilson or Justin Fields drops, and or Trey Lance. I mean, I think Trey Lance will be there no matter what, but I don't think they're going to be going after Trey Lance. Um, he, he's just as much of a project as Jalen Hurts. I don't think that that really be too much of an upgrade. Don't, I do like Trey Lance more than Jalen Hurts. I think at this point, it's just it's not really an upgrade. Um, but if Justin Fields is there. Uh, I'm not as huge on Zach Wilson, but if Justin Fields is there, they have to take him over Jalen Hurts. I mean, oh, 100%. I agree. My opinion, yeah. Uh, I mean, Justin Fields is a much better prospect than Jalen Hurts. Not even he's close. already probably a better NFL player than Jalen Hurts. Yes. Um, and, and then you get the extra year, you get the fifth, the fifth year option with the first round pick. Um, with a team building aspect, it just makes way too much sense to take Justin Fields if he's there. Yeah, I think a lot of people that are thinking there's no way that they bring in somebody with Jalen Hurts are in that line of thinking because they're just fantasy-minded guys, and they also look at Jalen Hurts, and they see the rushing, but they're not plugged in enough to realize that this entire class, minus Zach Wilson, like the top three guys, or the three of the four guys, are very good rushers. Justin Fields can be just as much of a dual threat as Jalen Hurts, except he's way better of a passer, and Trey Lance. So, I wanted to say something, too, when you said Trey Lance is not an upgrade. I agree that in year one it would not be an upgrade, but I think as a prospect and as a player, he would be a huge upgrade because he is just as good of a runner as Jalen Hurts. He's a better runner. Yeah, see, I was going to say, some can argue better. And he has way more of a live arm. Like, he can do way more. Yes, way more. Off-platform, arm strength, everything. So I think that that plus, so the fact that he's younger – the fact that he will have two extra years because he'd be a first-round pick, right? They only have three years left for Jalen Hurts. And the fact that he has more upside, I think it would be a worthwhile pick. I think it's something they should consider. But if you were the Eagles, are you kind of saying you wouldn't really want to take Trey Lance? You'd just roll the dice with Hurts? I mean, yeah, I think at this point, um, unless you have a trade lined up already for Jalen Hurts, um, I definitely like Trey Lance's potential more than Jalen Hurts. Trey Lance has, you know, I mean, his ceiling just based on physical attributes, is you know quarterback one overall. I mean, Trey Lance could be the greatest quarterback ever. Yes. You could say that That's based why on I his ability him. to run and throw the ball. Yes. Now, does he get that? I don't think so. But, I mean, I think he could develop into a good quarterback, mm-hmm. um, if not a great quarterback. So I'm definitely taking him over Hurts if I was just starting a team. But I think with you know the Eagles and all they've done and all they've messed up, I mean – I think taking Trey Lance and having Jalen Hurts and having both of them go into the season would be ridiculous. Um, Trey Lance isn't ready to start year one, and I think that would just be this whole season over again with mm-hmm. Trey Lance behind Jalen Hurts. It'd just be stupid. Yeah. If they did if they did bring in Trey Lance, I think they would have to get rid of Jalen. So let me, like, one last touch upon this type of scenario. I'll put it in a very easy-to-understand, very easy-to-picture situation for everyone because this this is what i like to do especially when people ask us like all the complicated trade questions we always try to dumb it down right so would you rather what's what's a wide receiver because i haven't gotten into receivers yet you have what's a wide receiver that you like in the nfl draft that's probably going to go second round it's going to go second round um that you like a lot i'm going to say i think rashad bateman is going to go top of the second round similar to like t higgins last year okay perfect so let me ask you this if you're the eagles would you rather – let's assume that they can get a second back for Jalen Hurts. Would you rather Rashad Bateman and Trey Lance or Jalen Hurts and Jamar Chase? All right. So 
I actually just did a article on Rashad Bateman for DynastyOwner.com, and one of my team fits was actually the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 38 in the second round. And if I had to take a side there, I'm yeah, I'm I'm, I'm taking Trey Lance Let's and go. Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah. All right, so there we go. So so we can agree that that's also worth a discussion then. It certainly is. All right. All right, cool. So if you have anything you want to say about the Eagles side of fantasy implications from this, you can. I'm personally going to withdraw myself from the Eagles side because I feel like we've seen that offense with Hurts. And yeah, things can change, of course, but I want to focus more on like the big change on Indy's side. But if you have anything for the Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to be overrated. People are going to be reading into this as, you know, he's the future of the franchise. I mean, I think I think this is what the Eagles had to do based on the corner they put themselves in. Yes, that they put it's a themselves move, in. Though. I don't think it's a good move. I think it's what they forced themselves to do with their stupidity and their mistakes. Um, so at the end of the day, I think Jalen Hurts is not the face of the franchise going forward. I think they're going to be looking for a quarterback in a year or two. Uh, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to cut it. I think he's going to be exciting at times, but I don't think he is a top NFL quarterback. I mean, I, I liked him as a prospect, but... I don't think the team is built for him to succeed. Um, He needs a good team around him. Eagles are not a good team and it's just not going to really work out. I don't think so, but I mean, you never know. Jalen hurts is a great leader. He's a great character. Um, He works hard. So, yeah, I I agree. I I think that Jalen hurts is if they don't bring in somebody this year is a one year holdover. And I don't think they're going to be good enough of a team where he's going to bring them out of, position in the draft to get a quarterback yeah, next year they're going to be a top 10 pick next year as well and be looking at the same exact dilemma yeah. and it'll be even easier next year because they'll only have two years left of jalen hurts exactly and if he hasn't proven himself you know they might be like i would say next year i'd expect them to be in the kind of how the denver broncos are looking right now where they're like ah, do we keep on with drew lock he's had some potential but he hasn't really done much yet i mean they might be looking at a similar situation like that you know early teens drafting and you're not quite in position to get a top quarterback, but you're not super happy with your quarterback, you know? Yeah. So Superflex, what's your value on Jalen Hurts? I kind of value him in the pick range of like 10 to 14 right now in a Superflex league. So what would your value be? Because I'm looking at him like a high potential, also high risk type of guy. Yeah, I think that's good. I think he's high risk, high potential. Um, I probably have him just going off positional rankings, probably like wide receivers, you know, sorry, quarterback 16, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where he is, I wouldn't mind having him as my quarterback two for this year um, and hoping for the best. But um, I'm, I'm pretty much passing on him everywhere I see. Um, I'm in a super flex startup right now, and he went 106. What? He was the sixth quarterback off the board. There's six quarterbacks to start because of the 16 team oh super flex. But he went 106, and... That's drafting him at his absolute ceiling. He was drafted before Lamar Jackson and almost threw up. Oh my goodness, that's insane! All right, well, <laughs> I can't even believe that that that's real. Um, but so on the on the Colts side of the things, how, how do you think this affects the Colts team? I'm, I'm gonna let you start it off, and then I'll put my input in after. I love this landing spot for Carson Wentz. I mean, when they were talking Bears versus Colts, I mean, everyone knew that Bears is a terrible landing spot. The yes. Colts is a good landing spot. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz is bad. Um, I think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. 
his efficiency for the two years prior to this season was like 14th in the league. I think that's a pretty good – that's his value. I think he's probably like the 14th best quarterback in the league. I think he's a high quarterback too, low quarterback one at times. I think he can have some great games. He just needs a team around him. And the Eagles were terrible this year. And, yeah, Jalen Hurts has some potential, but that's because no one had film on him. He was new and exciting. He had that rushing ability to make up for the lack of the offensive line. But that's going to catch up to him. We see it all the mm-hmm. time. Even with, you know, those uber-talented guys like Lamar Jackson, it catches up to him, and they have to pivot. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts has the ability, the just as a passer, to be able to pivot. And so Carson Wentz, man, I love it with the Colts. He's got the offensive line to sit behind. He's got a great running back to lean on. The defense is going to give him favorable situations where he can run a lot of play action. That's what he's good at. He's good at bootlegs, play action, getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run, but with a good offensive line, not getting chased down. And uh, I, I like Michael Pittman. I think Paris Campbell is a decent uh, slot wide receiver. I think they're going to add someone in the I NFL agree. draft this year. I doubt they bring back T.Y. Hilton um, unless it's a really cheap deal. But I think I think it looks good there for Carson Wentz. I would be excited to have Carson Wentz for 2021. Uh, we'll see about 2022, but I feel better about Carson Wentz's future than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I do as well, and I think that they're going to add somebody in free agency possibly too. I don't know if they would add somebody in free agency and the draft, but you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Kenny Galladay, yes, you've got Allen Robinson. Chris Godwin to the Colts. Okay, stop, stop, Nate, Nate. We're not, we're not endorsing, we're not endorsing that here. All right, Chris Godwin's got to stay in in Tampa Bay. But what about Will Fuller? That's another good one too. I think that'd be a good if they're losing Ty. Right, if they're losing T.Y., I think Fuller would be a nice pair with he Pittman. Would fit, he would fit the T.Y. Hilton role quite nice, that's for sure. Yeah, so there, there's just so many options. Like this wide receiver market right now is completely insane. So I feel like with their cap space that they do have, and also for people wondering about Carson Wentz's contract, the Eagles are taking on a lot of it, a lot of it. Like the Colts are not. I think his biggest cap hit in the next three or four years, however long the deal is, is like 25 million. On one and the season. Colts have a lot of cap space, yeah. so they can bring in a Chris Godwin or an Allen Robinson they or some can. guy like that. Plus other talent. I mean, they have. I think they had like before the trade. I think they had like ninety-five million to work with. So yeah, yeah, that's it's a great situation. So it's probably going to get better from where it's at right now. But something that I did, and oh, man, once I started it, I kind of regretted it because it was taking way longer than I would have thought. But I started charting. Carson Wentz's tendencies. I wanted to see what percentage of the time he throws to the tight end, the receiver, the running back. So we're looking at targets. And then I also wanted to see what about the thing that matters the most for fantasy. That's the touchdowns. Where is his touchdowns going to the tight ends, the receivers, the running backs? So I went through the last four of the last five years. I didn't do 2020 because freak 2020, but also because the situation was just crazy. Um, But I went through 2016, 2017, 18, 19. I took all his past attempts, looked at everything, how much he targeted each position, which was super, super like specific and annoying because he misses so many games. So I had to go through the game logs of every offensive player on that team. But he slowly increased in his target percentage for the tight ends. Now, I think there's two explanations for this. or And probably usually the answer lies in between when you have two different like opinions, right? So... His target percentage to the tight end rookie year and sophomore year was 30%. Then it went to 35%, and then it went to 37%. He slowly started targeting the tight ends more. Wide receivers, rookie year, 51%, spiked a little bit in second year, 58%, and then it went down 45%, then went down again, 41%. So he started shifting and started throwing more to the tight ends, less to the receivers. Now, there's the obvious 
uh, answer that he had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and then the receivers were getting really porous. I think that's has so much, so much on its side of the argument. But there's also the argument maybe he really is just starting to see that the Titans can help him in situations a lot of the times they're easier, they're more open to get the ball to than the receivers. And if a Titan is brought into Indy, we were just talking about how much money they have. Jonas Smith is on the market. Hunter Henry's probably on the market. There's a great tight end that is probably going to be in range for them to draft and Brevin Jordan, maybe in the second, third round in this draft. They're gonna. I think they're going to have a big name. I think they will end up with a big name. And people are going to like him, but I don't think they're going to like him enough. And I think that's going to be somebody of good value. So that was the biggest thing for me when I was going through this and looking at this was that Carson Wentz loves his tight ends, which we know, but it was to a very high degree because also his touchdown percentages to the tight ends, last two years, 49% of his touchdowns and 41% of his touchdowns. Like I said, I didn't chart 2020. So that's 2018 and 2019 went to the tight end position. So that's a lot. And also, once Miles Sanders joined the team, he started targeting the running back position more. So that's also something you can look at and be somewhat optimistic for Jonathan Taylor because I feel like a lot of people were probably thinking, Jonathan Taylor, oh, he's not going to have any chance at a lot of receptions. It's there. The possibility exists. Obviously, he's not as good of a receiver as Miles Sanders, but that's what I learned from what I did. Those are my takeaways. Did you have anything you wanted to throw in on anything I just said? I think one of the reasons he probably targets tight ends more than uh, more often uh, going through that career. I mean, obviously what you talked about. I mean, the wide receivers of the Eagles have been really poor recently, um, and they have two great tight ends. But I think Carson Wentz just naturally throws better in the middle of the field than to the outside of the numbers. Um, he struggles sometimes with the deep out throws, the throws 20 yards down the field outside the numbers, while he does really well with driving the ball in the middle of the field to slot receivers like Greg Ward or to his tight ends like Goddard or Ertz. So I think, you know, Paris Campbell is probably a buy. I hope he comes back healthy. He looked good in limited time in 2020. I don't know which tight end is going to be playing for the Colts, if it's one of the ones on the roster or one of the free agents. I just thought about this, actually, when you were talking. If Hunter Henry doesn't hit the market, and let's say Johnny Smith doesn't really fit the Colts, I think a sneaky landing spot uh, for a tight end for the Colts, since they're a win-now team, with Carson Wentz, I think I could see the ghost of Jimmy Graham being there, and everyone would hate it, but he'd probably be productive for uh, 10 of your 16 games. <laughs> yeah, and they would all be touchdowns. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I mean, I would hate, kind of hate that Jimmy Graham landing spot because he's not going to, you know, be a top tight end, but he'd probably do enough to be relevant and annoying. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. So, uh, that's what I got. If that's all you've got, we can go ahead and move on to the running backs. Do you think that's we're good to go? Yep. All right. So we'll cover it. before getting into the prospects, I always got to shout out some of the sources that help me get a bigger picture of things because I don't know if you ever like, you know, use other sources, but I know I do. I don't do like just pure scouting just myself. So I use the Draft Network, Sports Reference, PFF, and Pro Football Network. I get a lot of good information from those guys. So I have to give credit to where credit is due. And with that said, the Running backs that we're going to go over today, we've got Kylan Hill, and there are going to be some that I'm not going to say right now because Nate's got some guys up his sleeve, right? But we've got Kylan Hill, Khalil Herbert, Javian Hawkins, Jared Dokes, Larry Roundtree, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, and Torrance, otherwise known as CJ Marable. 
that's who I've got on my sheet, and then we'll see who Nate brings up. But let's start with Kylan Hill. He's 5'11", 210 pounds from Mississippi State. His best season to date was 2019. He played 13 games, 1,350 rushing yards for an average of 5.6 per carry, 10 rushing touchdowns, 18 receptions, 118 receiving yards, and one touchdown. I see, when I watch him, I see some athleticism. I see drive. He's trying to get those extra yards. He finishes carries. He gets the tough yards that you want to see a running back get, and just he just fights. He's got a good hurdle. He's got decent contact balance, not anything too crazy to rave about, but it's there. And he would be better in a zone-blocking scheme, and he can catch well. What else do you have on him, if anything? Yeah, so Kylan Hill, he's a guy that is kind of controversial. I've seen some people really high on him and some people really down on him. He's kind of all over the board. Um, Mike Bowers, the host of Dynasty Rewind, he he has Kylan Hill at running back three in this class. Whoa. I mean, he's a huge Kylan Hill fan. I've seen some other people put him at top five. Um, some people really like Kylan Hill. I do not. Um, he's, he's not doing so well for me. Um, I don't have all my running backs ranked yet, but he's – definitely farther down for me um he's comparably graded out to like michael warren Keyshawn vaughn from last year for me mm-hmm. um he's got some decent athleticism but I'm, i wasn't too impressed with his vision or his patience as a runner um i didn't see a lot of power there once he got you know got contacted and i think you know coming in out of 2019 he was eligible for the nfl draft last year and he decided to go back to mississippi state a lot of people said that he didn't have any receiving ability. And that was kind of due to the scheme in Mississippi State. He wasn't used often in the passing game. Mike Leach came to Mississippi State last offseason and instilled his air raid offense that got Max Borgie nearly like 90 receptions with Washington State last year. So Kylan Hill all of a sudden was targeted a bunch. I think in the LSU game he, was, he had like 13 receptions or something like that. Um, and this was supposed to boost his stock and show that he could you know, be a receiver. Uh, even though the stats look good, I still didn't see it in the 2020 film. I didn't see a good natural pass catcher. I think it seemed forced just due to scheme. I don't think he, mm-hmm. you know, really improved as a pass catcher. I think the transition from catching the pass to after the catch looked a little rusty and rough to me. So, Kylan Hill's not all that for me. But like I said, he's all over the board. Um, it, I, it's just not not my guy this year. Yeah, I, I actually agree. He's who we started with, but like I've been doing groupings of five. And he did not break any of the previous groupings I've done of running backs. Like he didn't jump them in rankings. So right now he's my RB like eleven or twelve. So yeah, I, I think he's probably going to come out around there for me. His grade because I I have a grading process, so he has a grade for me. He just I don't have enough running backs to really give him a true ranking yet. Yeah. But his his grade comes out, you know, just below serviceable starter. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. He and something I had for Knox for him was that he doesn't have multiple gears. And he's not super explosive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I just, when I see him, I see a guy who can, you know, do well with some carries here and there. He can be serviceable in situations where he needs to be, but he's not somebody you're going to want to lean on at all. And then the next guy we have, and I'm going to let you kick us off with him if you, if you want to do so, is Khalil Herbert. He's 5'9", 204 pounds from Virginia Tech. Yeah, so Khalil Herbert, he was a transfer, I believe, uh, out of Kansas to Virginia Tech. And as a redshirt senior, he's a grad transfer. So he's got age. He's, he's one of the older running backs in this draft class. And that's always something to keep an eye on because running backs, we know, don't have a long shelf life. So older running backs got to be a bit more wary on. But Khalil Herbert had a really good 2020 season. He looked efficient with Virginia Tech. He showed power. He showed burst. He's 
he's a bigger back. Um, I, you know, I kind of like his all-around game. I think he does everything pretty well, um, but I don't think he does anything special. Um, he's got some decent vision. I think that's probably his best part of his game is his vision, his ability to hit the holes. But I think his athletic ability kind of limits him. I think he's a guy that's going to end up being, you know, in the in the day three of the NFL draft and a guy that, you know, in a landing spot could be a decent spell, you know, a spell back. He could be a running back two and kind of be the, you know, for, it's like for a guy like Miles Sanders. I mean, I don't know if they're looking for a running back because they got Boston Scott, but I think he'd compliment a guy like Miles Sanders uh, pretty well. He, he's a guy that I'll probably have a couple shares of. Just overall, you know, like I said, all around back doesn't do anything special. Yeah, so I, I agree with the vision and pretty much everything that you said. I also just think he's a very solid, reliable runner. He's mm-hmm. somebody that, you know, he's going to do the right things because he has that vision, but he's not super explosive. He does have some good speed. They actually, have, like, he has the nickname Juice. Um, they call him they call him that in some of the uh, some of the big plays he makes. But he's also not very good in pass protection. That's going to make it hard for him to get on the field. And he lacks the skill set needed to be a great pass catcher, which is also going to be hard for him to get on the field. So those are some things that, you know, will definitely hold him back. But I do think I like him a little bit better. It's close between him and Kylan Hill. Which one do you like better? Um, I probably like Khalil Herbert more just because of his all-around game. I think he's less limited than Kylan Hill. But uh, I probably see more potential with Kylan Hill, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. So the next guy that we're going to get to, somebody I really like, um, and it's kind of interesting because he's not the exact mold of running back I usually like, but it's Javion Hawkins, 5'9", 196 pounds from Louisville. His best season to date was this season, 2020, 822 rushing yards for an average of 6.2, seven touchdowns, and 16 receptions for 127 yards receiving and one touchdown. I like the, I really like the lateral shift ability that I see and his like little gallop like his like side to side gallop it kind of lets him gather and decide whether he wants to change direction and it also makes it hard for the linebacker to decide what angle to take so I really like that and that's something that he you know shows in his arsenal a lot he's got good field awareness so after he gets past that initial line I feel like he's good at navigating extra yards and I like his quickness his elusiveness and he's got I feel like and I want your input on this I feel like he has some receiving ability despite the lack of usage yeah, I think he was definitely underutilized as a receiver over at Louisville. I think he probably will fit that role at first in the NFL as like kind of like a third down back, satellite satellite back, especially with his size. That's probably where he's going to be, you know, fit into. But he has, you know, he's exceptionally quick. He's got some really good burst. I, I love watching him on tape. He actually I was watching wide receiver Tutu Atwell, uh, one of his teammates, and I was like, man, who is this running back? Because he's just blowing through the hole um, every single time he comes to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I got to watch him. And I do like J.B.M. Hawkins. I think he's got a lot of potential there. Um, he's, he's not a natural runner like some of these other guys. Uh, his vision's a little lacking. But he has yeah. the athletic ability to, you know, have a role in the NFL. So I think in PPR leagues he might be a bit more uh, valuable if, if he gets the chance to be a receiver, which, you know, everything looks like he should be able to be a good receiving back. Uh, just we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I agree, and I, I do want to say um, some people when they heard you say that he it doesn't have the great like the greatest vision might think that you kind of contradicted me, but that's actually something I have in his knocks too. So just so people are aware, 
when I say like field vision or field awareness, I, I mean, once they get past that initial line, that initial hole, and that's just like navigating downfield, trying to use your blockers downfield, whatnot. But I agree behind the line of scrimmage, his vision definitely is not as good as it should be and does need work. And then he also lacks finishing speed. So he does have that burst that we've been talking about, but he does get caught. And obviously that's going to be even harder in the NFL to finish runs versus better athletes. And he has some issues with ball security, but you know, we got to keep, I keep it completely transparent. This is a guy I really like, but I still have to tell you guys about the things that he does need improvement on. But Javian Hawkins, I really like him. I think he's going to go super late in drafts. This is probably somebody that's going in the fourth round or unless he lands like a super shiny destination, maybe he'll go in a third round of a dynasty rookie draft. But he's probably going to be in that like, three four turn area that is going to be a good flyer to take if you're looking for some running back so that's somebody to keep an eye on and then the next guy i have here is garrett dokes 6'1 225 pounds and i'll let you kick this one off nate all right yeah so he looked good he flashed a lot of potential with cincinnati uh he has some some really big plays um yeah so he had an injury in 2018 that he missed all of the 2018 season but he came back in 2019 and looked good 2020 he looked good with the limited season the Bearcats had um he's powerful and I like his ability to hit the hole even though he's a little bit bigger of a back and you know, break off big plays so Jared Dokes is someone that I'm really excited to see where he lands because I think he's got some potential to uh overplay his landing sp- uh draft capital I think he's probably going to be drafted day three um probably sixth, seventh round. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have that high of draft capital. But I think he's someone who can outperform that draft capital uh, if given the right chance. Yeah, and something I, I really like about him is that he is a good pass protector, which is going to help yes. him get on the field. And if he is a good pass protector and he gets on the field, now he all of a sudden has an opportunity. And if he does good with that opportunity, then the door is open. And all you need at the running back position is the opportunity because once you start producing, especially teams love these cheap running backs. They love them. So... He's somebody, like you said, big, powerful, runs hard, pushes through contact. And considering his size, 6'1", 225, he's got decent elusiveness. Yeah, and he's got some good burst for his size as well. Yeah, and I think he's got some untapped receiving potential as well. Not saying he's going to become a, a great receiver, but at his size, I think he can be utilized in some ways that would be beneficial to a team in the receiving game. And like you said, extensive injury history. Missed three games in 2017, all of 2018. And he doesn't make people miss like crazy, but he does do enough to make the tackle easier to break. Like he kind of just, you know, makes it where he's not getting hit straight on. And because he's a big dude, he's able to go through it after that. So I agree. I think landing spot can make him a really, really good person to watch. So the two people that I have starred that we've talked about so far, actually three, but Khalil Herbert not as much, is Javian Hawkins and Garrett Dokes. These are the two guys that I really like that I think are going to go really late. And... Another one is Larry Roundtree, 5'10", 216 pounds out of Missouri. He has handled a big workload. He has the build to do so. He doesn't give negative plays. He just he goes forward. He hits people. He's a solid, reliable backup in the NFL. He shrugs off contact, decent speed, good field vision. And I like him as somebody who's probably not going to get drafted at all. And that's what I, I think is intriguing. And I don't mean drafted at all in, in the NFL draft. I, I don't know if he'll get drafted or not. He probably will. But in the rookie drafts I don't think he's going to go inside the top 48 picks which is the standard four round 12 team so I think he'll be worth Adam throw him in your taxi squad and Nate if you start stealing these guys in our 14 team league I'm going to be pissed (laughs) (laughs) um but hey that's that's part of the the biz right (laughs) talking talking to your boys 
Yep. Larry Roundtree, I like this I like this guy. Um I say this in a nice way. He's he's average. But I think that's a good thing for him because you know he's a smaller prospect, but I think he's a solid runner. I think he does a little bit of everything pretty well. Um, he's got some good power. He's got some good vision. Uh, a lot of people really like his vision. I, I think his vision's okay, but it's for for where he's usually ranked. I think he is better than he's usually ranked. Um, he comes out in my process a very average, solid running back, and for a guy that you're going to get basically for free. Uh, in rookie drafts or in your fantasy leagues. I mean, that's that's a good dart throw. I mean, this guy can handle a three-down workload if needed. I don't know if he's going to outperform other running backs to, you know, take that three-down role. But in a spot, this guy can come out and play all three downs. He can give you a game or two of good production, I think. Yeah, and we see so many times that a running back room just gets decimated for an NFL team. And guys that are undrafted get chances. So definitely worth a shot there with Larry Roundtree, like we were talking about, basically free the next guy that I have that I wanted to touch on, Elijah Mitchell, 5'10", 215, from Louisiana. Nate, you could take this one. Yeah, so Elijah Mitchell, um, he's a guy that I want to see gain some weight at the next level and kind of just, I would fit him in as just a short yardage goal line back. Um, I think that's his ceiling is just a power back. But to be a power back, I think he's got to gain an extra like 10, 15 pounds. Um He's got some good power. I like his leg churn. Um, he's a little inconsistent with his pad level. I think if he could correct that, he could be a lot better uh, in those short yardage situations. But overall, I think he's really limited by his athleticism. He's not athletic. He doesn't have the lateral ability to break it outside. Um, he can't finish runs. You know, He gets a breakaway run in a gap, and he just defenders always catch up to him. Um, I don't think he's really the guy. I actually like his teammate better than him. Um, I, I know we're about to talk about him, yep. uh, but so you know, at the end of the day, I was a little disappointed by Elijah Mitchell. Um, I, I usually like running backs out of Louisiana Lafayette. They usually have some really fun guys to watch, but uh, I think Elijah Mitchell is pretty much shoehorned into a power role if, if he gains some weight and can be more consistent. Yeah. You basically hit everything I wanted to say too. He, he just, to me, looks like a depth chart guy. He's probably going to get drafted as such, and he's very low upside. He's not explosive. Somebody who just might be used as a goal line guy like you were talking about. So you already brought him up. The next guy, Trey Regis, or maybe you know how to pronounce his name properly, uh, 5'10", 227 pounds, out of the same place, Louisiana Lafayette. You want to go ahead and start him off? Yeah, sure. I actually have this guy graded out exactly the same as Larry Roundtree. Um, I think they're both you know, pretty solid players for where they're going to be drafted. Um, this guy's a bit bigger. So Elijah Mitchell was 5'10", 215. Trey Ragus is 5'10", 230. And that's kind of the size I want to see on Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Trey is much more of that power back, I think, that he's already at that next level that I want to see Mitchell get to. I think he's able to break through the line of scrimmage and take defenders with him, not just, you know, fall down at the first contact. You know, when I'm looking at power back, I want a guy that hits contact and gets another three yards. Um, that's what this guy does. I'm impressed with how he takes the short yardage gains, how he does the um, goal line gains. And just like Elijah Mitchell, I think he can't finish off runs. He's a little bit limited by his athleticism, but I think he's a better runner overall. And this is a guy I'll probably take a chance on because – uh, he's not just shoehorned into that power back role. He has some potential to take some uh, other other roles on a team. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, yeah, you, you pretty much covered it. One thing that is worth noting between Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell is that 
Some people might pull up the stats, and they might look at Elijah Mitchell and see, wow, 3.9 thousand yards, 46 touchdowns. What a beast. But that might be something that steers NFL teams away. They might look at Regis and say, hey, he was not used as much. He's going to have more tread on his tires. They both looked really good. So, And like you said, Trey Regis has already got the extra 10 pounds to be utilized in that rule. Why not? Let's look at Trey Regis and see what he's got. So there's something between those two guys. And then the last guy I have to talk about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I would just say I probably rank Raymond Calais over both of these guys, who was the, uh, I think the Bucks drafted like in the yes, seventh they, round last yeah, year. Yeah, they did draft he, him. he was an exciting player to watch on film. Uh, I don't think it really ever came together in his rookie year. I don't know if he's even with the Bucks still, but he was an exciting player. He had some great explosiveness. Yeah, I remember watching him. I didn't watch him beforehand, but once the Bucks drafted him, I watched him. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. He might be able to do a little something, something. He was athletic. You yeah, know? yeah. So I have one other person that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to let you just take over the podcast with your sleepers that we haven't talked about already and that's cj marable so basically just to um clear up something make it more understandable for the listeners here so the first two podcasts i've done on running backs i did the group of five with harris etn the big guys then i did the next group of five with guys like hubbard trey sermon that that crowd and then this podcast for me is not my really ranking 11 through 15 of running back it's really me looking at the guys that I think are just going to go late that I really like. Because once you're getting outside the top 10 rankings and running backs, I'm really more geared to looking for sleepers and trying to find values than figuring out who's my RB11 and who's my RB12. Because that doesn't really matter. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I, the guys I've been talking about is trying to find you know those diamonds in the rough. And the last guy is CJ Marable, 5'10", 190 pounds from Coastal Carolina. I have not too much, honestly, uh, he's a small shifty guy he's very hard he was very hard for me to like really be able to come out with a lot of information on um he just watching him he's like for me it's like weird it's he's like a running back version of jakeem grant just not as good of an athlete like that's what he looks like when i'm watching him like i, I don't know I if people know jakeem grant but <laughs> like that might help them figure out what i mean yeah i think i think he's going to be kind of limited to a third down role if he can take it at the next level it doesn't seem like a three-down back to me yet. Um, I, I like this tape at times. I thought he did pretty well. But uh, overall, this is a guy that, you know, he's going to be – he's probably going to be undrafted, and you probably won't see too much of in your dynasty leagues. Yeah. Or especially in redraft. Yep. All right, so it's all you now. You, you take it away. <laughs> all right, well, the first guy i got to bring up, which, I mean – I, I I was surprised that this guy wasn't on your list. Um, oh man, he's throwing shade already. Here we go. Uh, you know, I, I got to come at you here. <laughs> so I mean, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because he opted out of the twenty twenty season. All right. But it's uh, Puka Williams from Kansas. Oh, I recognize the name um, for sure. If you are excited about Kenneth Gainwell, then you should be excited about Puka Williams. Um, similar players, very athletic, very shifty, and have a lot of explosiveness, a lot of burst. Uh, Puka Williams, the biggest knock on him is that he needs to gain like 20 pounds to be an NFL running back. I think last time he, he uh, weighed in, it was like 170 pounds, which just isn't going to work as a running back in the next level. If he stays at that weight, he's definitely a third down receiving back at most. If he can gain some more weight, then we might be able to see some guy who's you know used on one-cut schemes and can you know take the ball to the house. Uh, he's a guy who oozes athleticism. Uh, has some off-the-field issues, I believe, at Kansas. But 
you know, if you're going to take a dart throw on a guy, I'd rather take a dart throw in the late rounds on some guy who has a lot of athleticism who just needs to be taught how to run the ball. Um, so Puka Williams definitely fills that role and has that receiving production already uh, in tow. You had me so. at Kenneth Gainwell. You had me at Kenneth Gainwell, Nate. Yeah, so uh, he's kind of your poor man's Kenneth Gainwell this year, I'd say. Another guy who I like to bring up is Brendan Knox out of um, Marshall. The, so Brendan Knox, I haven't finished my scattering point with this guy yet, but from what I've seen, he shows a lot of potential as a three-down back. Um, not that he's going to be given that chance anytime soon, but if you're looking for the next James Robinson, this guy is, has as good a shot as any guy who's probably going to be undrafted. I think he has a all-around game to fit. I'm not saying he's the next James Robinson. We're not probably going to see another James Robinson for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Brendan Knox has a good chance as any as an r- undrafted free agent to make a roster and then to have some fancy relevance at some point. Uh, I like what he's done in his career at Marshall, especially in 2020. I think he showed a lot of uh, production in some of these games that he played. Gotcha. So, so yep. far we've got Puka Williams and we've got Brendan Knox. Yep. Right. Another guy I want to bring up um, – Another guy who I haven't been able to finish my scouting report on yet, but I've heard a lot of talk about this guy um, in the deep realms of fantasy football scouting Twitter. Um, <laughs> out of Tiffin, which I don't even know where Tiffin is, um, Jaquan Hardy. He is considered like the best player ever to come out of Tiffin, which is a D2 program. I would hope so. Um, we've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he's like, like the greatest player ever. He's, he's kind of your small, really small school name guy. Um, I, 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 I'm terrible with these comparisons right now, but I'm just going to compare him to Austin Eckler because Austin Eckler came oh out my. of D2 school. <laughs> I'm not saying he's Austin Eckler at all. I'm going to say Austin Eckler came out of D2 school. Is he a good receiver so, at least? Um, yeah, he he's he doesn't have a lot of receptions in his production, but I think he's a better receiver than those numbers show. Um, I'm not comping him to Austin Eckler at all. I'm just saying they both came from a D2 school. Gotcha. Um, Kind of those like just no name guys. I mean, this is one of those guys I'm going to throw out there, and like he might not even make a roster, but like he's got some potential out there if he lands on a roster. You know, it's a guy you don't mind having on your taxi squad in the deep leagues. I mean, in our league, the 14 team super deep roster league. Oh my god, uh, you know, it's he's a guy you probably do put on your taxi squad because you're just hoping for the best. And if you get one game out of him, then you are happy. Um, so definitely want to mention him. There are a couple more guys. I mean, this running back class really gets thin, I think, after the top couple. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've been talking kind of about that for throws. sure. They're all dart throws. Yeah. Like, all these guys I'm mentioning, they're not really, like, my guys, not, like, mm-hmm. my sleepers I'm really banking on. They're just dart throws at the end of the day. Yeah. I, so, um, I, know I, I know I pulled you into this, kind of, because you've been diving into the receivers, and I wanted to get you on here to talk with me about the running backs, because that's what I started with, but... What would you say, since I have you here, is the tiers? Because for me, it's Harris, Etienne, and Williams, Javante Williams. That's like the good tier. That's the tier for me that those running backs would be viewed highly as first, second round prospects in any class. Like, they're really good running backs. They would have stacked up well with the running backs from last year. But then after that, Gainwell is my running back four and then Michael Carter. But they're definitely a teardrop from the top three. And then after those two... After Gainwell and Carter, I think there's another teardrop to these guys are like outside of the top 10 in most classes. Would you say that that's somewhere around what you think or you have a different opinion? Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, for me, I have tier one, Najee Harris, and that's it. 
I, I could Najee see Harris that. is in a tier of his own. I could see that. And then in that second tier, I have Travis Etienne, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams. Um, they're kind of all the similar tier for me. And then after that tier, it gets a little bit sadder. You know, it's just it's kind of Trey Sermon and Kenneth Gainwell for me and Chubo Hubbard. And then after that, it's kind of just all a dart throw after, after that point. I yeah. think, you know, you get six, seven running backs into this class and then everyone else is – Rank them how you want them. Every player after like those top six or seven, like if they went undrafted, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I mean, like or sixth, seventh round. Like it, w- I might be slightly surprised, but I wouldn't be like, wow, that guy didn't get drafted. Be like, you know, it yeah. makes sense. I mean, these guys all kind of are around the same talent level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have any other sleepers for us? Uh, I do have one that I really like. So I will say I do have one my guy. Okay, um, let's hear. But this is the guy I was talking about earlier that I don't know if the NFL considers him a running back or a wide receiver yet. So that's why I didn't bring him up at first because I don't know what he's going to look like on ESPN, Yahoo, Sleeper, whatever leagues you play on. I don't know if he's going to be a running back or a wide receiver. I have him personally graded out as a running back. I think he fits that better. But he played a lot of wide receiver at the Senior Bowl this year. It's Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Um, he's kind of... You know, he's kind of a J.D. McKissick player, um, if J.D. McKissick was actually, like, really good. <laughs> um, J.D. McKissick just was a product of volume, really. Yeah. But um, if you could get J.D. McKissick's volume and the player he was in 2020 as a rookie, then you're looking for Demetri Felton. Uh, if he goes to a good team, he is great out of the backfield. I think he's a good runner. He's a better runner than, like, a guy like Tariq Cohen. Um but he plays that kind of similar role of probably being shoehorned into a third down back. But the thing that gives him, you know, what I actually like is not that he's limited to the third down. He can play first and second down out of the slot. Um, that's not what a lot of running backs can do. A lot of running backs can do that in college, but they can't do that at the NFL. It's really hard to be a running back and a wide receiver in the NFL. Demetri Felton has that ability. He played wide receiver for his first two years at UCLA. He played running back for his second uh, his third and fourth season at UCLA and switching back and forth in the senior bowl and playing for teams at both positions. So whatever he gets drafted at, I don't know, but he probably will have dual eligibility on sleeper if I had to guess. I want that guy on my team. I think he has the ability to be a high-volume guy out of the backfield while also giving you some rushing upside. Um, Where do I'm you- a big Dimitri Felton fan. Yeah, I-, I can't wait to get into him when I do receivers. I had him on re- my receiver list. Um, so where do you think he would be getting drafted and is there any landing spots? Cause if he's a, uh, my guy for you, then I'm assuming you have some like dream scenarios for him. What are some of those? Um, yeah. So draft capital wise, he had a good senior bowl. So I'm going to say he probably ends up like fourth round. I think fourth round, I think early That's day three, spot. there's a chance that he could be a third round depending on the team. Um, and then landing spots, you know, to tell you the truth, I haven't really thought too many landing spots, but I think one that comes to mind first is the Green Bay Packers. If they don't re-sign Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, I think Demetri Felton would be a great supplemental uh, piece with A.J. Dillon. Uh, A.J. Dillon cannot catch passes out of the backfield, and we saw the Green Bay Packers use uh, Tyler Irvin and Tavon Austin to try to fill that receiving role out of the backfield. They couldn't get it done. Demetri Felton and Matt LaFleur or uh, he still wants that receiving threat at the backfield. Dimitri Felton fits that role perfectly because he plays at the backfield, but also can move out to the outside or in the slot. Uh, if I had to go with a dream landing spot, that's probably it. 
Um, they seem like they want to use a running back like that, and Demetri Felton fits that perfectly, especially if they don't resign Aaron Jones and have you know the stone hand AJ mm-hmm. Dillon out there. Do you think a good landing spot? So I was while you're talking, I looked up Naheem Hines' contract. So it looks like he's got one year left. Do you think yep. he would be a good replacement there to pair with Jonathan Taylor? Uh, I don't think that'd be bad. He's not. Demetri Felton isn't quite the same kind of player as Naheem Hines. He's mm-hmm. not as quick. Uh, he's more. He's more powerful. Um, so I don't think he's like a one for one fill in for Hines, but that could work. I personally think Jonathan Taylor's an all around back and deserves all their receiving work. So um, I think Felton. The reason a team's going to draft him in the NFL draft is because they're looking for not a receiving back, but they're looking for someone who can play out of the slot. And I think the Colts are probably pretty happy with Paris Campbell if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Felton really fits in that offense as well. Um, just, I don't think there's just as creative enough to put Felton to work and uh, make it worth it, like a third round or fourth round draft capital. I think like a team like the Packers or I could even see a team like the Saints. I mean, I know Alvin Kamara gets plenty of receiving work, but I think if the Saints drafted a guy like Demetri, Demetri Felton, he'd be working out of the slot 90% of the time, and I think that, that would work. Okay, so to recap, I'm going to go over my sleepers, like the guys that I have starred, the guys I really like. That's Javion Hawkins, Garrett Dokes, Larry Roundtree, and your guys that you really want people to think about taking either at the back end of drafts or just for free because they're not getting drafted in Rookie Dynasties are... Yeah, so like if I had to pick three, um, I'm definitely going with Demetri Felton, who yep. you're not going to get... You're not going to get him free. Uh, he's probably going to be like in rookie drafts. I mean, I could see him in the fourth round probably uh, unless he gets a good landing spot. If he gets to like the Packers, probably like a third round in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy, Puka Williams. you gotta you got to draft Puka Williams at some point in your NFL draft. He just has too much potential on the upside. And then third out of the rest of the guys, um, you know, it's tough because they're all around the same spot. But I'm probably going to take a chance on – Brendan Knox. I just think he has has something there okay. that you know if he gets into a right spot could have a three down roll. That was the one from uh, Tiffin. Marshall. Marshall. Uh, uh, which one was the one from Tiffin? That was Jaquan Hardy. Jaquan Hardy. Yeah. Okay, remember that guy, that name too, because <laughs> if he blows up, yeah, if he blows up, you guys got to give Nate credit. We'll give him a, a nice shout out. But uh, yeah, so that that wraps up the running backs for us, Nate. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you. Get, give you some peer pressure since it's live on the podcast. Um, would you be down to do a NFL, not fantasy, an NFL mock draft with me once I finish my receiver, receiver grade? So we're talking probably a month, a month and a half down the line, but obviously before the NFL draft, you and me just going back and forth. I'll take odds. You'll take evens. We just go through the first round, and then and then we talk about fantasy impact from our draft. All right, so you're saying all 32 teams first round. Yes, sir. Offense and defense. Yes, sir. I'm down with it. I'm always down with it. Let's go. I'll do anything you want, Brandon. Don't worry. Oh, man. I love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nate, plug your stuff again before we get out of here. So the people that didn't listen the first time, make sure to check you out. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at NateNFL. Um, I also would appreciate if you follow the podcast I co-host, Dynasty Rewind, at Dynasty Rewind. We got a podcast every Tuesday night, plus we're putting out content on YouTube, plus our Patreon, which is starting to blow up a little bit. Um, it's good stuff. And then I also have articles on DynastyOwner.com where I'm doing a prospect preview and video, uh, article and video each week. And then last but not least, I do rankings on Dice Nerds and every now and then some Debbie work with them. So, Like I said earlier, baller, baller. All right, guys, thanks for listening in. 
please drop a like. Uh, I almost said drop a like like it's a YouTube video. <laughs> drop a rating. <laughs> drop a review. Helps me out immensely. Make sure you check out Nate and hit us up with any of the questions that you guys have. We are always glad to answer questions and DMs on Twitter. You guys know I'm on Instagram as well. So have a good one, guys. Peace. Thank you.